So, Ben. Yes. I came up with this new character, and um, he may only be funny to me, but I'm going to give him to you here. Okay. I mean, if it makes sense to you, it might make sense to some of our listeners, too. There's somebody out there that agrees with you, so somebody out there is going to get it. Maybe somebody will love this. So this is Rodney Dangerfield, but he loves, respects, and supports his wife. (laughs) So not Rodney Dangerfield. Not Rodney Dangerfield. Now, he's not very funny, but he is very sweet and happy with his life. But also... He's extremely explicit about his wife and his sex life. Okay, yeah, all right. So here you go. Here you go. Are you ready for this? Give me some bits here. Give me a, give me a tight five. Yeah, I'll hit you with a tight five. Five jokes, that okay. is. Am Uh-oh. I right, guys? Hi-oh. <laughs> all right, so these are all just variations of actual Rodney Dangerfield jokes, uh-huh. but I've, I've, I've fit them for the character that I created. And I wasn't stoned. <laughs> no way. Actually, I'm just going to open with one. I sent you a couple of these. I haven't, You haven't heard them all, but I sent you a couple of these, and you sent me back this one, and I think it's genius. I think it's a great opener. All right. I, I get a word for a, th- a third for a word here, so I get a percentage off of this. Yeah. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> Take my wife. Please. Just kidding. She's my whole world. Oh, he's so sweet. Now, that's just, like, wholesome. Like, Mm -hmm. that's just some feel-good humor if I've ever heard it. Absolutely, absolutely. You ready for this one? Yeah. My wife and I were happy for 20 years. Then we met. You know, like, really met. I've never known her more intimately, and I've never (laughs) loved her more. (laughs) And the crowd goes, aww. One night I come home, I figure, let my wife make the first move, you know, I'll play it cool. She complimented my appearance within moments, and I ate her pussy. (laughs) <laughs> very considerate lover rod very, very con- and, and his wife within moments was uh, there with a compliment they're happy together ben they're happy That's a positive relationship i like this they're they're working well together it's a good thing last night my wife met me at the front door she was wearing a sexy negligee the only trouble was my dick hurt after so much vigorous lovemaking the night before <laughs> she was very satisfied <laughs> Here we go. I'll I'll, I'll end with this one. I'll end with this one. Here we go. Went to the doctor. He told me I have two weeks to live. Said I want a second opinion. Also, I should call my dear wife and best friend. I'd hate to miss another second with her, considering our deep and abiding love and this recent diagnosis, which I hope to find is incorrect. (laughs) I'll tell you, that gets them every single time, doesn't it? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, folks. I love my wife. Goodbye. Dude, I would love for him to do a show, like a co-headliner with my guy, which is Andrew Nice Clay. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, Andrew Nice Clay, but he's just really nice. I come home, I tell my wife I love her. She looks at me and says, I adore you and love your companionship. It's oh. believable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the nice man. <laughs> the nice man. I love it. <laughs> Welcome, yeah. dead and lovely listeners, to the lamest horror podcast <laughs> on this planet or any other in the galaxy. Why, it's dead and lovely with your fucking corny host, Uncle Ben. <laughs> Hollywood Steve. And we're here today to be talking about Saw 2, as it should have been titled, Saint. Saint. 
Done saint. Saint it. And uh, we got a, a timestamp for you in the podcast description if you just want to get straight on to the movie review. I have a feeling this is going to be a fairly front-loaded episode as the movie's just not really good, and I don't have a lot to say about it, uh, honestly. Yeah, I hate this whole franchise, and honestly, if you're, <laughs> yeah. if you're a Saw fan, like... Uh, if you've got a good sense of humor, you'll like this episode, but if you don't, you're going to hate it, because we don't <laughs> like this movie. We don't like it. It was nice knowing ya. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that should be his thing, the nice man. It was yeah, nice knowing ya. it was nice ya. knowing yeah. ya. Nice knowing ya. Unironically, I mean that. I treasure your companionship. <laughs> and he doesn't smoke a cigarette on stage, because he's too considerate. Yeah, exactly. Oh, no, he wouldn't, he wouldn't do that to anybody in the crowd. No way. He's a nice man. <laughs> How you been doing this week, Steve? Man, I've been kicking. Uh, I um, unfortunately Xbox uh, made MLB the Show 2021 available on uh, Xbox Gold, so that's what I've been doing. Basically. Now, how does this differ from MLB the Big Show, where you just play as the yeah, Big Show? It's the Big Show. <laughs> and you run really slowly to all the bases, and it's a yeah. very slow-moving game. Strike zone, so <laughs> yeah, not massive. really advantageous to be gigantic. <laughs> Although I do like the idea of the Big Show using his arm as the bat, like somebody throws the ball <laughs> and he just swings he his just arm, swats the ball. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. Is it better than that? MLB The Show. Um, uh, anybody who's played it already probably knows if you're a baseball fan. But uh, this is the first time I got to play it, and I, I've been wanting to play a good baseball game for a long time. And what I want out of a good baseball game is I just want to pitch. I don't want to play the rest of the game. I don't want to try to hit. Because even at, at the best, you, you hit it like one out of three times. Mm-hmm. And it's just frustrating. But if you're the pitcher, you throw it. 10 out of 10 times. Yeah. How does this stack up to Little League Baseball for NES? Because that's oh, kind of man. the gold standard of baseball Little League games, Baseball as far for as NES. I'm concerned. <laughs> so good. That game is so fun. I used, to, I used to love Baseball Simulator 2000 on the SNES. Oh, yeah. That was yeah. the one that had, like, you know, like, rocket hits and, mm-hmm. and all sorts of, like, crazy stuff. I, I that loved cool. that element to the game. Hell yeah, man. What else have you been up to? Uh, I have been watching some movies. Yeah, I watched... Yeah. Um, I watched that Sonic the Hedgehog movie, finally. So this is one that I've been really curious about. I've not seen it, but I just remember the entire like hype and build-up for this movie being like they, they unveiled Sonic and everybody was super pissed, and they're like, I will not see this movie if he looks like this. Right. And then the studio actually went and changed the way that he looked to make him more like the game, which is awesome. And then as far as I know, nobody went and saw it. It's kind of like how everybody was like, Super Troopers 2, we need more Super Troopers, ah, and they finally did it, and like, I literally don't know anybody who saw it. No, it made a ton of money. <laughs> oh, did it? Okay. Yeah, it made like $320 million. Holy shit, okay, well, I guess I'm just not in the, uh, in the Sonic watching ring, <laughs> ring, Hi-yo. like, the rings in the game, you get it? Yeah. Woo! Um, so, I, it, it's fine, I mean, it, as far as uh, video game adaptations go... It, it did uh, a, a passable job. It was funny. It had stuff from the games, uh, but I, I didn't really play the games, so like I didn't have really any investment in it. So mm-hmm. maybe I'm not the best person, but I think Ben Schwartz and, and uh, 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 fuck, Jim Carrey. I kept wanting yeah. to say Ace Ventura. <laughs> <laughs> ben Schwartz and Jim Carrey and James Marsden, are, they're all good. 
So okay, it's I mean it's a fun little watch. It's not like an amazing movie. Nothing revolutionary happens in it. It's just a kids movie. But as far as video game adaptations go, it's like oh this is just a competent movie using the characters and a lot of the stuff from the games. Cool, awesome. All right, but enough about Mortal Kombat. Let's get right back to the stuff you were talking about. Am I right? Am I right? Yeah, yeah. Mortal Kombat 2021 was pretty good. You're right. I thought it was fine. That was yeah, good. That was pretty good. I didn't uh, have any problem watching it the entire time. I was like, yeah, it's a little silly, but kids movie, whatever. What? I also watched another movie that's silly and not a kids movie, but also, uh, I thought it was okay. A Vampire in Brooklyn. Okay, I've never seen this, but I've like always seen the poster, and sometimes I see it like scrolling around on the streaming services and stuff. Uh huh. But I've never watched it. I don't know anything about it. I saw it on video back in the day when it came out, mm-hmm. and I remember the disappointment being that Eddie Murphy isn't very funny in it most of the time. But okay, it's still having very funny moments because John John Witherspoon is in it, and um, Kadeem Hardison. Uh, and they're funny. And then Angela Bassett and Eddie Murphy are having a more dramatic thing going on. But watching it back now, it's like, one, I didn't know Charlie Murphy wrote it. Oh, damn. And it is an adaptation of Dracula with black characters, where basically it, it uses a lot of the Dracula lore, but like, uh, moves it to an island in the, um, Caribbean. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then has uh, uh, Eddie Murphy's character, I can't remember his name, Maximilian, I think, uh, show up on a boat in the same way, you know, kind of ghost boat that it's like everybody on has been killed, and then he comes out as a big black dog. All that same sort of stuff as, as Dracula, but then, you know, it also has uh, a lot of comedy and, and silliness to it, but it's Wes Craven, and... The story is solid, and hmm. the directing is solid, and the comedy is solid. So I think, like, in 95, it was like, you know, uh, Eddie Murphy hadn't made anything super funny in a while. Yeah. I think maybe the last big, real funny movie was Coming to America, because he made, like, Boomerang and stuff where there's comedy in it, but he's not the source of comedy. And then he did, after this, The Nutty Professor, which is kind of like the resurgence of of uh, Eddie Murphy in the 90s. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. So this movie was kind of seen as a disappointment, but I think you go back and watch it now, it's like, oh, actually, that's pretty... It's a fun vampire flick. I like it. Huh. I didn't know that Wes Craven did that. That's like a damn icon. Yeah. Yeah, it's... it's. Uh, I mean, it's it's not amazing, but again, um, it, it's like... It needs to be seen because it's exactly what you just said. It's a Wes Craven, Eddie Murphy movie. Not a lot of those out there. In 1995, like the year before Nutty Professor and the year before Scream, where they both had Jeez. their resurgence. So yeah. It's, yeah, it's just an interesting sort of cultural artifact at the very least. All right. Well, maybe we'll cover that, you know, one time on the show, maybe for a new oh, vampire or something like yeah. that. Huh? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I also watched a little thing called The Orange Years, which is a documentary about the beginning and early days of Nickelodeon. I bet that's fucking awesome. Is it good? It's rad. Yeah, you'll really like it. Now, it is, uh, you know, it's it's a bit, like, whitewashed a little, like, in the fact that uh, there's, there's some things that they don't talk about. 
they talk about Ren and Stimpy, but they don't really talk about the creator, you know, because he's a fucking creep. Not a good guy. That was disappointing to learn. Yeah. But it's also like the tone of the documentary stays pretty consistent. Except for Mark Summers telling one story about an injury on Double Dare that, like, the way they present it is like, hee hee hee, funny, but it's like, listening to it, it's like, oh, that sounds horrific. Did that happen? <laughs> oh, oh, no. Shit. Uh, <laughs> but it's it's great. I really enjoyed it. And, like, you know, they have, uh, uh, they talk about the shows that's really started Nick aside from, you know, you know, the... The early stuff, like, they talk about uh, Pinwheel. Do you remember that? They would show. I don't remember Pinwheel. It was a show that was, like, before our time, but they would show reruns on uh, Nickelodeon because Nickelodeon, for a long time, didn't really have a lot of shows. But they had. You can't do that on television. I was going to ask if they talked about that one specifically. When you said that they were kind of, like, whitewashing some of it, I was like, I wonder if they included that, because that show had some it did have weird some. and raunchy stuff on it. It had some wild shit. Um, and, and then they they do get into, you know, the cartoons and stuff, and I was so excited to, you know, see more stuff about Rocco and, and Doug and all that, and they had the creator of Doug, and he's like, just this, like, super gentle, sweet man, and Aww. it was like, yeah, that's exactly what you'd expect out of the creator of Doug. Nice. But they also had Pete and Pete. Yes, the best, Like a whole dude. segment on Pete and Pete. And it's Fuck. it's worth watching the documentary, if only for that. So fucking good, dude. That show, I, I swear, I started like re-watching episodes of that on YouTube a couple of years ago. And I'm like, nope, this is still hilarious. Yeah. Maybe even funnier as an adult watching it going, they meant for this to be a kid's show. And it's fucking weird, dude. Well, that's the thing you'll notice in that documentary is that... Uh, the people in charge, uh, in fact, a lot of them, the women in charge of Nickelodeon that, that really solidified and made Nickelodeon what it was and and brought in those weird creators to make those weird shows, they were aiming for what they knew kids to be, and that is far more intelligent than a lot of the cartoons of the time were treating them. Oh, sure, yeah. So... You make weird stuff, you you go for artists who are, you know, coming with something new and different. Because kids want that. They don't want the same old thing. Uh, you know, kids get bored real easily of the same old thing. So, uh, it's a cool documentary. I, I really I really found it interesting. It's on Hulu. That's awesome. Worth okay. checking out. I'll definitely watch that, man. That just seems like that's such a, a trait that I would say was a big part of our entertainment as kids of the 80s. Because I feel like even a lot of those... You know, fantasy movies and stuff that were made for us back then, like Never Ending Story and Legend and Labyrinth and stuff like that, were very dark and very heavy and had a lot of mature themes and stuff that I think the creators of those, you know, gave kids a lot of credit in knowing that they would be able to handle that stuff and understand it. And that's why that stuff stuck with us rather yeah. than all the other generic stuff. Yeah, exactly, man. They were exactly right that we could handle that stuff because I know stuff like Pete and Pete definitely shaped my my sense of humor because yep. it's just so surreal and strange and stupid and, and dry too. Though is the thing, man. Yeah, so very good. dry. I, well, I yeah, gotta watch I, that, I man. It. That sounds fantastic. It's on Hulu. Hulu, yeah. What you been watching, man? Dude, I've been watching a couple of things. I've had kind of a busy week this week, um, starting with the fact that we got our second. Uh, Pfizer COVID vaccine last week. And um, I just want to give a little bit of a story about that because I know that a lot of people out there are, you know, 
borderline hypochondriacs and stuff like myself that fret and worry about everything they put in their body. So I do feel like it's beneficial to tell our story of what happened okay. with our vaccination deal. So quick, just sort of backstory. Uh, neither of us have ever had COVID. We don't smoke. We work out. We eat pretty dang healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, late 30s, both of us, uh, my wife and I. Second shot, we got it on a Thursday, 2 p.m., Felt totally normal all day. I drank a lot of water. I drank a lot of coconut water and stuff. I ate really healthy that day. I didn't booze the day before. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I had like a beer the day that we got the shot. So just trying to keep my my body pure, trying to purify my temple, <laughs> right? Okay. And I woke up the next day still feeling pretty fucking good. And it was probably at around noon on Friday, so about the 22-hour mark in. Mm -hmm. I started feeling like I just had kind of a weird hangover. Like, I wasn't, like, nauseous like you are with a hangover. I just kind of had, like, the brain cloud sensation and sort of some mild body aches, and I was, like, tired. Okay. And so I started getting, like, kind of worried. Like, oh, man, am I fixing to start getting, like, the chills and stuff? You had kind of some more flu-like symptoms with yours, right? Yeah, yeah. Mine mine was not fun for a, a good period there, yeah. Yeah. And so I took a couple of a leave, and I laid down, and I took a nap for maybe an hour and woke up totally fine. Like, zero problems at all so it was no big deal man i don't know how much prepping for it changes anything sure um, yeah but none of the things you did to prep for it are a bad things to do so hopefully yeah. they help i you know i also uh you know went hydrated etc and all that stuff and then still had side effects i think it really is just gonna depend but uh you know Either the side effects aren't yeah they're not covid yeah so, how about that <laughs> it's a pretty it's a pretty simple choice for me i'd rather have the side effects than covid no doubt man and kate had zero side effects like nothing she wasn't even tired emily was the same not one. a not a damn thing happened mm-hmm. like i hate that people are saying well my arm was sore that's not a side effect yeah well that's a side effect of getting a shot yeah, exactly, man. It's like, <laughs> yeah. well, of course it, your arm hurts. Somebody jabbed a needle in it. Like, for me, I would say even the soreness of the arm was less severe than, like, a tetanus shot. Like, a tetanus shot, to me, makes your arm more sore than that did. Yeah. Well, yeah, a tetanus shot will, like, make your whole arm feel dead, and that was just localized in the shoulder. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'd agree So, totally you. no big deal, man. And, uh, you know, I'm really, really excited to be able to get out there and, and do our thing. And one of those activities I'm the most stoked about is... Hopefully getting back in the damn gym and doing some oh, working man. out. Well, let me tell you my story about getting back in the gym, Ben. Oh, noes. Uh, I got to the gym and it was busier than I've ever seen it. Woo! Walked in the gym, no masks. Not one mask, except for mm. the mask on me. Guess what <laughs> happens when you're the only person wearing a mask? You might as well it, not it be works. wearing a mask. Oh, it doesn't work. Right, right. Hmm. Well, but Steve, you done had your vaccination. Who cares? <laughs> I still don't want to get COVID. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> vaccination really, right? does not keep you from getting COVID. Absolutely. It gives you a huge chance of COVID being real weak if you do get it. But I don't want to get it. Yeah. Well, if it helps too, man, like if you're one of those people that's just like, yeah, I know somebody that had it. It was just like a cold. It was no big deal. So 
my mother-in-law, Kate's mom, she and um, my father-in-law both got it like in November, like late November of last year. Both of them had very, very mild symptoms. Like Tony said that he's gotten colds that were worse, like totally no big deal at all. Okay. Um, same with Gabby, like very mild symptoms and stuff. Nothing really to even complain about. But she still, to this day, like six months later, no sense of taste, no sense of smell. Would you sacrifice that to not wear a mask? Right? No, I don't think Fuck that I no. would. Well, and what? two, like, it's even worse. She said that anything that she can smell, which is only like really strong smelling stuff, uh-huh. everything smells like fucking bug spray, apparently. Like <laughs> even oh, no. like fresh ground coffee. That's she terrible. says like fresh ground coffee smells like fucking bug spray. Yeah, that sounds uh, horrendous. Yeah. I, I, I had low expectations, honestly, because it's halls. It, we're, everybody around here drives around with a libertarian flag and a Blue Lives Matter flag, and they don't see the problem with that. And right. they haven't been wearing masks the whole time anyway. So I don't, <laughs> I don't know exactly what I expected, but it, it was really dis- disappointing. I'm going to try to go tomorrow at the time that I know is the least busy. Uh, but I, I, I may have to forego the gym for a longer period of time. And I'm not happy with it. Word. That sucks, man. Ugh. I mean, I can still work out at home, and my home workouts have been very effective. Sure. Luckily, though, I can still come hang out with people that have been vaccinated. Like you! Yay! Yay! Yeah, this, uh, if all goes according to plan, this should be the last long-distance episode that we have to do in the foreseeable fucking future. Mm-hmm. Exciting. Holy shit, man. Over yeah. a year with nothing to hold on to but a telephone. I know. I know. It's been so sad. Hello, darling. It's nice to see you. <laughs> Been a long, long time. <laughs> Next time we'll be able to sing Conway Twitty songs in sync with each other. <laughs> now that will be awesome, dude. I'll tell you though, the audio is going to be wrecked because like we're just going to be playing footsie under the table the entire time. Absolutely. Bonk, 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 bonk. Sound like a fucking double bass Mike Portnoy drum solo going on the entire episode. It'll just be you trying to get me to stop playing with that new puppy you got. Oh, my Lord. That's another thing I was going to say. I felt so okay after getting that COVID vaccine that after my nap, we went and picked up a new fucking puppy who is a little tiny dude. He was a, a small breed rescue from S. Brett here in, in Knoxville. Uh-huh. And he's a little mutt. He's a Pomeranian mix. Some of you guys have already seen him. He's adorable. He's, he's just a ridiculous, silly little thing by the name of Turkey. Turkey. I love that. Turkey. That's a good name. I'm telling you, dude, like we were trying to come up with a cool name for him. Like eh. my first, my first thing was like, I think Logan's a cool name. Oh, sure. Uh, we, we thought about like Grady, like Grady from the shining. That's a All cool right. name. Okay. Toss around a bunch of options, but nothing really stuck. And we were actually walking, um, him and Zora to Adopo to pick up some pizza to go. And, uh, it, the name just kind of appeared and it's like, what if we just named him Turkey and like called him Turk for short, if we want to, That's adorable. And it was just like, that's so fucking stupid. And I'll tell you <laughs> this, man, it's the name that just keeps on giving and giving and being entertaining, which of course, when you're dealing with a fucking puppy, that's just a ball of piss and energy, mm-hmm. <laughs> you need to stay positive with it and be happy whenever you say it's stupid name. So probably a good choice. Because, like, okay, it's the little things where it's like, 
you know, we're crate training him stuff. So we have a crate for him. So it's like, you know, it was like, hey, we could tell him, go get in your house. And he'll know what that means. Or since he's turkey, what if we call it a coop? It's <laughs> already fun. It's already, already more fun, fun that yeah. way, man. Uh-huh. This morning was kind of rainy and cold. He was shivering a little bit. Cold turkey. <laughs> Hey, what do you think we call it whenever we both end up snuggling on them from both sides? Uh, turkey sandwich. You're goddamn right, turkey sandwich. Hell yeah. All right. <laughs> it just keeps on going and going and being entertaining and adorable. Uh, he's a funny little guy, and dude, Zora is like his hero and mentor already, and there are Love it. multiple times every day that I think I've like almost fucking teared up from how Aww. adorable these two fucking dogs are together. Oh my god, man. Yeah, that's awesome. And he's a little thing, and she's a, a great big old thing. So that's yeah, he's, just he's seven pounds, and she's eighty something. So <laughs> there's a size discrepancy there. And he's like, dude, he just walks around like you're so fucking cool. I want to be just like you. Oh, but he's not gonna be him. that big. Oh, no, not at all, man. But the funny thing is, is like Zora is such a weirdo that she thinks that they're the same size. Like, oh yeah, yeah. She's always had that big dog. Problem. Mm-hmm. Where they just yeah, I've seen her. Size. I've seen her with uh, Tilla or around my dog, even where she's just scared of littler yeah. dogs. Like terrified, they're so big. What am I gonna <laughs> do? But uh, yeah, he's a he's a hoot and a holler. Adopt a rescue. Don't don't worry about going to some damn puppy mill or anything like oh, that. Y'all. Please do not do that. Yeah, don't yeah. do that. Get a mutt. They're healthier anyway. Let's make some new dog breeds. Just come on, man. Have some fun. Get you a Heinz 57 dog and just see what and happens. And don't, like, don't be afraid to adopt an older dog either. Just look Hell into the breed. No. Like, uh, you know, we wanted to adopt Salem. Uh, she was eight years old. And it was like, well, gosh, you know, I don't want to adopt a dog that's just going to die. So we looked into her breeds, which are Dachshund and uh, Terrier, and... They both live to be 15 to 18 years old on average. So it's like, oh, yeah. oh well, yeah, that's fine. I mean, it's going to suck. It's going to be an absolute devastation when she dies. Yes. But that's a lot of time. And oh, yeah. she, you know, she has a personality and it's adorable. And I, I, I think, yeah, absolutely. Rescues. You can get you a puppy. You can get you an older dog. You can find a kitty cat. You can get all sorts of stuff. Rescue them. Yeah. Yeah, rescue them. Do something. But in between all this puppy love and stuff, we watched a few things. One was a movie that Kate had heard about. I knew nothing about, but we watched a a trailer for it, and I was like, sold. Let's watch this fucking movie. It does have one of the worst titles and just most, I think, inappropriately lame titles for what the movie is. Um, It's called How to Talk to Girls at Parties. Okay. Which, even when you say the title, you're thinking this is probably some kind of, like, teenage... Yeah, I'm thinking teenage rom-com. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it, it kind of is. The main characters are teenagers and stuff, but it's in 1977 England, and it's about a group of punks that accidentally stumbles upon a group of, of aliens... And st- one of them like starts a romantic relationship with this alien that's trying to understand what it's like to be human and what it's like to be punk. And it okay. was based on like a Neil Gaiman short story. Oh, okay. So it's like, uh, okay, a I'm Neil sold. Gaiman story about punks and aliens in the 70s in the UK. Sign me the fuck up. It is really strange, dude. It is a really weird movie. I think you should watch it. Okay. What's it on? 
We watched it on, I believe it was Showtime or Stars. Okay. I can't remember. Right. It's one of those at the time of recording, but I definitely enjoyed it. That's a fun one. We also watched Drop Dead Gorgeous, which is one that <laughs> I had never seen before, but it came out around 98, 99, something like that. Yeah. And um, just has a ginormous cast, man. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, they're, they're it has so many people, man. And it's like a mockumentary type movie, which, you know, that's kind of like Christopher Guest only turf. Like he's kind of the mockumentary guy. So for somebody else to try their hand at this, it's kind of like, ah, you're kind of stepping on that dude's turf. But it actually really held its own and was super fucking funny and dark and weird. It had some really weird, dark humor in it. But also definitely a lot of, I'm not going to say a lot, but like one section of the comedy that's not aging well at all uh-huh. um, regarding a lot of jokes about like a mentally handicapped person in the movie. Oh, no. That's not, no, yeah. that's not really working at all. And I, I think the jokes in this movie were more made to reflect like how backwards and stupid this small town that the movie takes place in is mm-hmm. but i know a lot of the other people in the audience watching this were just like oh he's dumb and yeah prob- probably missing i might be wrong about the intent of the humor there but either way i'm glad that movies have mostly moved past that because that doesn't age well uh yeah i mean we're you know we did just have that uh see a movie though right where it uh what was it she had Maddie Ziegler portray a, a character with autism in a very, very um, negative way. Ooh, I haven't seen that. Like, yeah. Mm. Um, anyway, yeah, I, I think I've, <laughs> I, I hope we're getting past it. The evidence is there, though, that maybe we're not. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but but it is funny if you can if you can um, let that let that slide. Yeah. Otherwise. Uh, we watched X3, continuing our X-Men watching spree. <laughs> so you love it. Man, it's, it's bad. It's so bad, dude. <laughs> like, I remember having the same experience whenever we watched it the first time, where, like, for the first little bit of the movie, you're like, this isn't that bad. Like, I heard this was terrible. It's, this is fine. It's yeah. just another X-Men movie. And then everybody's characters just start making the fucking dumbest decisions, and, like, decisions that those characters would never ever make and you're like oh somebody that's never read an x-men comic wrote this got it <laughs> real dumb not good it, it's it's a really 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 bad movie covering um you know an awesome storyline that has been done twice now terribly uh yeah i'm not looking forward to watching that dark phoenix movie i haven't watched that yet mm, i mean uh, it's better than X3. <laughs> There's you mean that. it's better than the storyline that Jean Grey was born with a split personality that's evil that Professor X shut down early on and are like, what? What the fuck is that? Yeah, they didn't want to. I mean, the thing is that the MCU can do it and include the whole, like, because they've already introduced us to the galaxies, they can include the whole Phoenix Force and and all of that stuff, the yeah. Shi'ar Empire and things like that, like, that could all be way cool like it was in the comics instead of absolutely terrible like it's been in the movies. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, not exactly stoked on that one, but we did watch Rush Hour, and that's still awesome. a treat. I don't think I'd ever seen Rush Hour before, dude. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, that's, yeah, was that 98? Yeah, somewhere around Something there. like that. It's one of those ones that, like, I think just due to how saturated 
all media was with that movie at that time period. I felt like I had seen it. Yeah, the previews were annoying because it just showed the the like same Chris Tucker joke over and over again. It's like, do you understand the words coming out of my mouth? Yeah, and it's like that's not the whole movie. There's a lot more going on to it, and Chris Tucker's funnier than that. Like, yeah, totally. That's not even like the funniest Chris Tucker line for sure. Yeah, that's a trilogy of movies that I am looking forward to watching because it it was a delight and Jackie Chan is so fucking fun and charming yeah. and sweet and also a fucking maniac. Some of the stuff that that guy does yeah, those is unbelievable. Stunts are insane. Yeah, and he's he's old in Rush Hour. Like, yeah, I was gonna say yeah, he's, he's no like at least in, in his fifties, I think, in Rush Hour. Jesus Christ, are you serious? I believe so. I'll, I'll get uh, Fuzzbeat on it. Sorry, I can't get Bill Gates Jr. on it. I gave him the day off, you know, because of the news. The news. Yeah, you know, uh, his parents are getting divorced, so... No, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think it's a good thing when a guy getting a divorce might end up leading to the defunding of research into medicines and things. There's no reason to tax (laughs) the rich. We should let their divorces make decisions for us. Ah, I like that. That's a good move. Yeah. (laughs) Fuzzbeat here to correct Hollywood Steve. In fact, Jackie Chan was only... 43 or 44 years old while shooting Rush Hour. Well, I'll tell you what. How about we crack ourselves open a co-beer? Because I need something in my face. My face is feeling awful dry. I need to slam that dry a liquid face, yeah. energy beer into this thing. And we've got ourselves a beer that was submitted by a show buddy. Where'd this thing come from? Well, he told us to shout out Meredith Manning of Salud. Beer what up, Meredith Manning? instead of him, but I'm shouting him out too. Brandon Wood got these to us. Woo. I'm excited for this. It is a blue jacket little drum machine boy, and it has got all sorts of nonsense in here a double fruited sour ale with blackberry, raspberry, plum, cranberry, vanilla, and cinnamon. Also contains lactose. I think that's every single fruit. (laughs) They got them all in there. (laughs) Wow. How'd they fit all of them in this little old can, this pint can? They put every fruit in there. It smells so good. Like, the scent off of this is just full-on berries. I just poured it, and it does smell like just a great big old berry patch. It just smells like a big old bowl of berries, I'll tell you that. And it's like a nice, deep wine red color but it is kind of cloudy i guess due to the lactose in it right oh goodness ben how's that treat you is it good it's wild what is that is something oh man that's kind of like the perfect balance of sweet and sour isn't it yeah but it's also got like so many flavors in there it really really does i get a lot of the yeah like raspberry yeah very raspberry but also like creamy from the lactose yeah, and like, but they, I can taste that cinnamon too. Like, it's very light, but it's good. Yeah, that's all cranberry too. That's what I'm tasting because I was tasting a good bitterness that I really like. That's cranberry. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I totally get that now too. Now that you mentioned that, that's kind of what I'm picking up on. The aftertaste kind of gives you a little bit more of that bitter tartness of oh, a cranberry. Man. This is that's awesome. awesome. Yeah. Wow. I would yes. totally slam the hells out of that. Anytime that I can. That's yeah, really- and it's only uh, 6.6% or doesn't really, it feels kind of juicy. Feels like you could probably have a few of those in the night. But I, again, 
Thanks, Meredith of uh, Salud thank Beer. Thank you, Meredith. Awesome. Yes, thank you very much. That's fantastic, man. You know, I have I have a concept for a beer. If we got some brewers and stuff that are listening, I think that somebody should try this out because I think that if we if we you know peer back into our memories into our childhoods, there was nothing more refreshing and thirst quenching on a hot day. Like here, I'm just gonna paint a picture for you. Is that okay? Okay, let's hear it. Just imagine you're a kid, it's the late 80s, you're hanging out with your friends in the backyard, it's a mm-hmm. blistering hot August day, Yeah, you guys are out there slip and sliding, you're doing you know, some slip and slide on that thing. Are there cicadas? Yes, there are cicadas. Cicadas, alright, hell yeah, this is the real shit. Maybe you're doing some, uh, some jumping on a trampoline or something like that. Ooh man, you're just getting hot, it's burning up out here. But you don't want to run inside because you might miss out on a good joke with your friends or something. So what right. do you do? You reach for some hose water. <laughs> a little hose water. Yeah. A little bit of hose water straight out of the spigot on the side of the house. Right. I'm just saying, why don't somebody brew a beer? A hot rubber beer? Made out of hose water. Like instead of using regular water, <laughs> use hose water. Because it always <laughs> quenched our thirst as kids, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, that first bit spurts out and it's like 2,000 degrees. Yeah. It's been sitting in the hose like several weeks at least since your dad washed the car. Yeah, but then it gets nice and cold and it's like, yeah, this is perfect. Back to having fun. Yeah, I'd love a hose water beer. With a mouthful of hose water. Give me some dead and lovely trademark hose water ale. Mouthful of hose water does sound like something pornographic for sure (laughs) i think it does yeah i think that's a move for sure yeah (laughs) (laughs) i think it should be like an ale or maybe like a pilsner something light and crisp and refreshing yeah something that really just hits the spot i mean like for me that's a dogfish head uh that what that lime one the one with black lime Oh, sequench yeah sequench yeah 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 that forever is the beer i want when i'm very thirsty and about to grab a beer but I also do love a lager, just mm-hmm. a nice lager, nice and crisp, clean, delicious. Ooh! And just imagine that with just a hint of hose. Just a hint of hose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not one of those new hoses that's like actually nice and flexible and stuff. Oh, I'm no, talking get about that the, out of here. I'm talking about the old ones that would like crack and stuff over the years that got that really pale green color. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you got a lot of that like. BPA lining into your yeah, water. dude. Tastes Give nice that and flavor. plasticky and rubbery. <laughs> yeah. I want to taste my childhood and my adulthood all in one sip <laughs> with a hose water lager. That's fun to say. Hose water lager? Hose water lager. I want that. <laughs> Come on. There's got to be somebody listening right now who's like, I've been wanting to brew a Pilsner. Hose or lager, sorry. You know. <laughs> what? <laughs> I want to sure. a lager pilsner, of course. <laughs> For some reason, too, in my head, as soon as it said hose water lager, it was set to the tune of uh, poke salad and some gator got your granny. You know that song? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's really gator silly. Gator got your granny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the gator got your granny hose water lager. Yeah, exactly. It's mm-hmm. a good song. Well, Steve, I'll tell you what. We're here today to talk about Saw 2, and it's it's just 
not good. Like, I'm not going to bury the lead here at all. Like, we, don't, we don't like this movie. And as you guys know, whenever we're doing these episodes, we take a lot of pride in coming up with a, a themed segment for the preview palace, something that ties into the movie in some way. But, well, we're, we're well into the 200s of episodes now, so there are some ideas that have been depleted from other things that we've done. I'm sure, sure. we've done a, you know, how are you going to die quiz or some shit like that. Yeah. So we just kind of like tossed around a bunch of ideas for what we could do for the intro of this. And I think the best option for this, as we slip on into the preview palace. Uh, uh, welcome, I guess. Or Sure. Yeah. 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 Welcome to the preview palace. Yeah. All right. I think the best option is that we just talk about our ideas that we had for the preview <laughs> palace. <laughs> For this movie, because the other night I texted you as usual, and I'm like, "Oh shit, we're recording we like do? tomorrow. Yeah. What are we doing for the intro?" Mm -hmm. And you're like, "Uh, uh, 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 your first idea, great idea, best Wahlberg." Yeah, best Wahlberg. I mean, name him. Okay, one we got Donnie. Obviously, yep. he's in mm -hmm. this movie. He's what, one of them. What we got on the other side? We got Mark. Mark. Mm -hmm. He's uh, you know could have stopped 9/11. He said. So that that's a plus on his side. That is something, man. He used to drop them drawers all the time. That used to be his thing. It was like indecent exposure. <laughs> it did. What? That was your that was your gimmick? <laughs> well, he had that and uh, you know, racistly beating a man. So Ooh, he did do that. He Fuck, did I do actually that. forgot about that. Yeah. 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 Ooh. So that's uh, a negative for him. Honestly, like, shockingly, Donnie might be the best Wahlberg. Well, we also got Chef Paul Wahlberg of Wahlburgers. So, oh, okay, that's right. Let's find he out if Chef Paul Wahlberg has uh, done anything negative in his life. Uh, mm. Nope. I don't see anything listed, so I'm going to go with Chef Paul Wahlberg. I'm going to go with Paul Wall. There's yeah, another one named Robert. What the hell's going on? <laughs> How many of them are there? Stop it's Wahlbergs the all the way down. <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty solid topic, but there's just not a lot to go off of. No, it's like there's a couple no. of them. <laughs> so I yeah. had an idea that we maybe compile a list of scenarios or something like that about, you know, master trap maker Jigsaw mm -hmm, mm -hmm. meeting his match and maybe, you know, encountering some rivals like, People right. who could rival Jigsaw. I mean, I think one of the the obvious ones that we'd start the list off with would be Kevin McAllister from Home Alone. I think he'd he'd nearly meet his match with that kid. Oh, definitely, definitely. Because you know the thing is, like, first off, what I mean, what is like, it, I'm assuming that in this case, Jigsaw has taken Kevin to teach him a lesson in some way. Could be, yeah. Uh, I mean, but it's possible that, uh, Kevin is maybe branching out and he's like, I'll explore my neighborhood and peep in people's homes and maybe set up traps to kill them. And he just happens across Jigsaw's house. And I think oh. in that case, he's got him. Jigsaw's not going to be expecting this. I like that idea, man. Or, or what if like... What if it goes in another direction entirely where, like, due to the events and traumas that Kevin McAllister endured in the first couple Home Alone movies, what if later on in life he t he's turned to a life of crime? He's become a wet bandit himself. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he goes to rob the house of an elderly man with cancer who's all decrepit and stuff that he's heard about that's rich. 
because he uh-huh. used to own a factory Here or some shit. Yep. And it's fucking uh, Jigsaw, and he's like, this is my house. I have to defend it. Don't get scared now. And it's Jigsaw setting all these traps for Kevin McAllister. And That'd be cool. finally experiences the things that happened to the original Wet Bandits. Now, what I do love about this pitch is that the Wet Bandits have apparently been so successful they franchised in the future, and they got just other guys out Wet Banditing. <laughs> that's true, yeah. That's Wet pretty Bandits LLC, it's pretty good. <laughs> Entrepreneurs they are. That's the silver tuna they're talking about. Yeah. Now, who, who else could he face? I'd like to know if he could meet his match in the form of an underrated trapster. I'm talking about our homegirl, Nancy, from Nightmare on Elm Street Part 1. You guys oh, remember how yeah. she beats Freddy? She does a whole bunch of crazy improvised traps. She does some, um, uh, what's it, anarchist cookbook bullshit Yeah, in there. she does. She has, like, a, a tripwire. She has, like, the... Gunpowder and a light bulb. Gunpowder and the light bulbs, yeah. Like, she, she had, um... She had some plans for Freddy, and Freddy's a badass, so... Mm-hmm. Dream demon, even. Dream demon, even. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun to say. Uh, yeah, I think I think maybe she could have, because, again, like, I'm assuming something has happened. I'm a- okay, let's assume she's uh, Nancy before she dies... Oh, wait, no. Maybe she's Nancy after she dies, and now she's got them dream demon powers. Oh, my God. And she's God. coming at Jigsaw. Yeah. Because she's okay. like, I, like I've like uh, I've vanquished Freddy, and now fucking I'm taking it to the streets. Whoever's <laughs> out here fucking with kids and shit gets fucked up. <laughs> like, she's a yes. superhero demon, and she fights him. But, of course, he's going to set up some traps himself. I think this is interesting. I want to see it. Trademark Dead and Lovely. I would watch that movie. (laughs) Jigsaw versus Nancy. Sounds rad. Okay. Sign me up, man. What do you think he would do against a Davy Crockett? King of the Wild Frontier. That guy knew something about setting some traps and stuff, right? He did. He killed him a bar when he was only three, so... I mean, he gotta be pretty badass and stuff. I bet that guy knows his way around a bear trap, too. The people in these movies, they don't know shit about no bear traps. That's true. And and Jigsaw, he's a, a sickly old man. Uh, who, you know, probably, if he were to end up in a bear trap, would be pretty much finished, right? Like, what? Oh, yeah, yeah. I I imagine Davy Crockett in, like, an abandoned warehouse, and there's, like, you know, one of those jigsaw robot things comes up and is just like, if I was you, I would be very scared right now. And and Davy Crockett would be like, only thing I'm worried about is them coyotes up in them hills. I think that's exactly what happened. He'd be totally unfazed because he'd just be concerned about coyotes yeah. the entire time. Yeah. Just a lot of coyote talk, I yeah. feel like. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I think the ultimate adversary, though, you know, if Jigsaw rounded up his typical group of miscreants and, and criminals and stuff and put them in a warehouse and uh, was doing all kinds of, you know, improvised traps to kill him and everything, I think the real winner in this situation would be if he made the mistake of mixing up Admiral Akbar in that group because oh, every no. time somebody goes to pull on a lever or it's open a, a, a door yeah exactly he's gonna be there it's a trap like every time and they're gonna be like oh oh no everybody lives everybody gets away because Akbar can see a trap a mile away I love this I'm gonna add this group in just a group of people 
who, uh, on the weekends, they all go as friends to escape rooms. Okay, yes. Jigsaw versus them. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's not going to happen, man. They just figure out every single room. Oh, yeah. They're going to figure out, oh, you need the black light on the map that tells you where the key is, that opens <laughs> up the box. Like, they've seen all this shit before, man. And they've done it drunk on uh, fucking yeah. bottomless mimosas. Yes. <laughs> like an hour and a half, an hour and a half of the movie passes by. They're walking out the front door. Jigsaw's like, wait, oh, uh, uh, this is part of it. Uh, <laughs> I meant for you to leave. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine them like having a really good time and really getting into solving the clues and stuff. And he's watching this over the cameras and he gets on the intercom and he's like, this isn't supposed to be fun. <laughs> You're supposed to be dealing with your mother's cancer diagnosis. Oh my God. White kids in college are fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> he just gives up his career in crime yeah, fuck entirely. It. Fuck it. God. Can't even scare these kids anymore. This is fucked, man. That's awesome. Another idea that we had is, and, and I don't really have anything to go off of here, but just the concept of Jigsaw versus the Muppets, I don't know why that came to me, but maybe have all the Muppets together and Jigsaw is killing them based on things, based on their, their personalities. Like maybe Gonzo has some kind of crazy thing where he's pecked to death by chickens. Right. Like there's an, uh-huh. an antidote at the bottom of a huge you know pen of starving chickens and he's covered in corn. Of course he's covered in corn. I'm just, you know, I'm just spitballing here. I'm spitballing. Maybe Oscar the Grouch falls into a shower. Ooh, oh no. You need to clean up your act. No! <laughs> My trash! I mean, there's got to be ways to go with here in some way or another that could get really twisted and messed up, but it's really just a concept that I wanted to talk about more than anything. Fuzzy Bear, in life you made people laugh saying waka waka. But what if you were introduced to a flock of flock of seagulls with razors <laughs> on their legs? Slash, 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 cut, 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 cut. This is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I see it. <laughs> There's an idea here. At least a short story. There's something there. Yeah, I'm with it. Okay. Animal, in life, you drummed the drums. Now you have to drum the drums for your life. (laughs) And of course, the other concept that we had was completely unrelated to Saw in any possible way. And it's just a really great idea based on conversation that we had that's going to have to have a little bit of backstory here. And I'll try to make it as succinct as I can. I'm excited. Maybe I've talked about this on the show before at some point. Maybe not. But myself... And a couple of my friends do this thing that we like to call the name game. And the name game has existed for years and years and years. And it started off simple enough where someone would try to think of a first and last name that you could spoonerize and invert the first you know, consonant sounds of both names to make something that sounds funny. For example, um, Perry Hooper. Harry Pooper. You spoonerize that, you get Harry Pooper. Like that's just a that's just a fun time. So we just text each other these made up stupid names, and that was all good. But then, of course, as any good game does, it evolved to where we would like to find like a Facebook profile of somebody that had the name, and that made it funnier, you know? Okay. And then I found out that Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie had a kid named Shiloh Pitt, and I'm like, Pilo <laughs> shit exists. Yeah. This yeah. is the best name of all time. <laughs> 
And then it evolved even more to where we also started like texting each other totally bullshit stories <laughs> about somebody like, oh, I have this friend that blah, blah, blah. And you send them, you know, a picture of some ridiculous name that you found that ties into the story. So mm-hmm. I, had this, uh, I had this idea the other day and I found someone with the right name. And I texted you and I texted a bunch of my friends and stuff. And I was like, man, I got this, this buddy in South Carolina that's a really cool guy. And he ends up like with all these really awesome chicks around him, but he always dumps them because he's obsessed with finding a girl with, with really big boobs. He says their boobs aren't big enough, so he lets all these great girls go. And I'm kind of worried about him. And then I send the, the profile picture and it's a guy named Bill Riggins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Real biggins. biggins. <laughs> so this is the level of stupid that we operate on on a day to day basis. Right. And that's yeah. like before we start getting fucked up at night. Right. Like this is during the day. It's absolutely stupid. Yeah. So I told you about real biggins. Uh-huh. And we started imagining what this dude was, and we came to this conclusion that Real Biggins sounds like the name of a discarded Tolkien hobbit. Yep. <laughs> the Bigginses of Tit Hill. <laughs> Tit Hill. <laughs> and so we were thinking about like Real Biggins and how, you know, I'm thinking that he's like kind of the exiled trashy hobbit on the outskirts of town that like sells Gandalf his pipe weed and stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he's a real cool dude. When Gandalf shows up, he's like, hey, Gandalf. <laughs> I got that shower weed you like, man. <laughs> Listen, I'm kind of in a hurry. I don't really have time to smoke nah, up and man, hang out down, like we always do. Sit down, sit down, sit down. Listen, <laughs> hey, I got Bilbo's book, man. You want to read from it? <laughs> uh, not really. I'm, I'm quite in a hurry. Your love of the halfling's weed <laughs> leaf has weakened your mind, real biggins. Your love of the halfling's boobs has weakened your mind. <laughs> There's just so much you can go off of when you think about real biggins in the Tolkien verse. That's so good. All right, man. Fine. All right. You just take your weed and go, man. Don't call me at 3 a.m. wanting weed again. Real (laughs) biggins is a he's a real needy drug dealer. (laughs) He is, man. He's one of those kinds of guys. He's all right enough in small doses and in groups. Yeah, he's hard to deal with though over over a period of time. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So I want you guys to further imagine the adventures of real biggins. I think that there is definitely a great short story in there somewhere detailing his <laughs> adventures probably in his quest for boobs let's be honest right a great adventure <laughs> it sounds like lemmy winks it is lemmy winks yeah <laughs> little uh, lemmy winks so there you go those are the ideas that we had for preview palace which yeah. in a very meta way became the preview palace <laughs> I think we put more work into that than we would have put into most of our preview palaces, honestly. I think so. <laughs> and I think the show is better for it. Rate yep. review on Apple Podcasts, y'all. <laughs> All right, Steve, we are here to have a podcast where I guess we have to talk about Saw 2, or as it should have been called, Dunseint. And this is from 2000 and probably earlier than I think it is, isn't it? 2005. 2005. Mid-2000s, yeah. Here's the thing. With this being a movie from 2005, this does sort of alleviate the feeling that I had where I'm like, am I just a grumpy old man that I'm like, I don't get why young people like these new horror movies. This isn't new at all. Like, this came out when we were in our 20s. Yeah. It's not new in the least bit. It's something we, uh, we lived through in the prime of life as youths. 
So <laughs> it was targeted to us, and we were like, "This sucks. Bro. This is terrible. Fuck this. This is real bad." <laughs> People love this shit, man. Like this, and like the whole Hostel series. Like, there's all these that like we don't like at all, and yeah. I don't feel like it's us being old man. They don't make them like they used to at all. Like, no, because uh, the movies that have come out that were in that period and then after during this like golden age of horror that we've had we're well into and i i'm still very much into you know movies that come out in the theaters we've talked about ready or not i i liked happy death day etc those things are the things we like about horror because they have they have brightness to them they have charisma to them yeah. This has none of the charisma that you want in a horror movie. It is just shades of gray and black. Yeah, man, but the kills are awesome, man. It just got such gruesome, cool kills and stuff in it, man. <laughs> Here's the thing, though, is like, okay, as somebody who is a, a self-professed like 80 slasher addict, I realize that all those Freddy and Jason movies and stuff like that you could also say, well, who cares about the characters? It's just about the kills and stuff like that. But I do feel like this is different because yes. with these Saw movies that are all about the kills and stuff, the characters are all like pieces of shit that we're not supposed to even remotely care about anyway. So there's no impact whenever they die. Like it's not like fucking Glenn getting sucked into a, a bed blood geyser in the first Elm Street or something like that where it's like oh man he seemed like a cool guy or whatever like all these people died it's just like I don't care and I guess that's entertainment is this a fucking coliseum yeah, that's exactly what I, I think it is and it's exactly for like that feeling purpose. that purpose yeah. that that I, I mean you know you may have some people out there who really love the Saw series and they just kind of only look when the kills are happening and it's like, yeah, they are cool kills. But, like, if you're watching the movie and paying attention to the movie, it's just like... I mean, even the characters we're not supposed to like, we're not supposed to like them from a particular mindset. Like, it's a very conservative outlook. When we're not supposed to really like people who were framed by a cop. Here's the thing, and I I had not even remotely considered it from that angle until you told me that earlier while we were talking about the movie and stuff, about this conservative kind of viewpoint. And I'm like, I don't know, this is like a horror movie with a bunch of blood and guts and gore. Are you sure this is conservative? But then I started thinking about it more, and there is very much this attitude and this sort of nihilism that, oh, you did something bad and went to jail? Fuck you forever. Your life should be shit. <laughs> I'd like to see you tortured in front of me. Yeah, and I don't care watching you die some horrible, gruesome death because you used to sell drugs. <laughs> like, Yeah. There's no hope for rehabilitation. Just die. <laughs> and it, But it doesn't, then, it doesn't then come in with, like, the bright side is the cops and how great the cops are. Like No, they're grimy too. That's just copaganda that I don't want to see, but at the very least it would be like uh, they're trying to present some idea of good and evil and all this. This is just trying to present variations of evil. Yeah. And trying in in hoping you like bathe in it and love it and and want more of it. 
and i i don't like that i don't like that feeling i don't want that i understand that the world is shades of gray but if it's shades of gray then it doesn't have to be black metal all the fucking time <laughs> yeah you're right because the characters in this movie and the first movie and i assume the other ones i've not seen any but these first two. Oh, dude i have a lot to say about part three in oh, a little bit man. but go I'll ahead forward to that <laughs> but yeah it, it's nothing but like a guy at the core of this who's just a fucking monster that wants to kill people or torture them or whatever and a bunch of other people that are really shitty like there's nobody that you root for no in this at all and it, it, if you are rooting for anyone if, as far as i've understood from some people i've talked to who, who think of it and, and do you know can't express why they like it they like jigsaw they think he right. makes sense and I, I'm here to tell you he doesn't. <laughs> yeah, because here's the thing, man. That's what I was really kind of thinking about with this. It's like, okay, you've got this guy who's like, you've you've lived your life in a really bad way. Um, I'm dying of a terminal illness. You've not lived your life to its fullest. I'm going to, you know, essentially what it comes down to is Fight Club you. Like that scene where they put the gun to the guy's head. Like, what did you always want to do? Become a vet? You know, go do it in a week or I'll blow your head off. Like, that's all that Jigsaw is really doing. Um, well, kind except of? that, he, except no matter what, you're going to be horribly disfigured. Well, and here's the thing too. Okay. So his thing is like, I want you to turn your life around and be appreciative of your life. So I'm going to put you through some hellish, hellish fucking experience where even if you do survive, you will absolutely have PTSD for the rest of your life. Yeah. Is that helping no. anything? Like, is he really actually thinking he's going to rehabilitate these people in any way? No, and I and that's the thing is I don't think the film presents him as being right, but I have heard too many people say he is. Um, the film I think presents him as using uh, a twisted logic. The film is presenting him as a supervillain. And no, there's no superhero ever. Like, no. it's like only the villain. That's all you get. But also, like, he's not fun and wacky and crazy. He's tortury and... and Nihilistic. Nihilistic. And it's... A lot of the, the torture and stuff, like, it, it's it's not aimed at anything other than, you know, uh, proving that he is right, basically. Like, he he's basically trying to prove to himself constantly that his opinion of humanity is correct by putting people in a position that's almost impossible to escape without horribly disfiguring yourself. And he has no real reasoning when it comes to actually helping them. Because yeah. what he does to the one person who helps him is brings her into his cult. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. So he's not like a good guy in any way. <laughs> no. Well, And again, it's the kind of thing where, you know, I, I assume the filmmakers of this knew that eventually, you know, people started going to the Elm Street movies to root for Freddy. You right. Know? Like, they're they're not really on the kid's side. They're on Freddy's side. Exactly. 
And I assume that they were going into this thinking like, okay, we kind of want the audience to sort of root for Jigsaw, so let's make them not feel bad about the people that he chooses to kill. So let's make it a guy who sold a pot. Yeah, people. <laughs> you know, and it's like, that way they won't feel bad about rooting for the bad guy. And it's like, man, that's that's really conservative and stupid. It is knowing your audience, though, I think. I think that's exactly what it is. Is they... And clearly there's an audience. These things make bank. Yeah, I think the first one had less of that uh, conservative feel to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one goes into that and then it just embraces that entirely i think it may have been some market research it may have been something they saw in the numbers or something where the tickets were selling perhaps if they were selling a lot in like rural red state areas like yeah they could have noticed like well if we lean into that um and you know that's what they did in this for sure is lean into the idea of like the justice boner yeah justice boner that's a good way to put it yeah that uh, you know if you've if you've gone to uh, prison at any point you're obviously guilty and also you deserve the worst yeah the entire rest of your life should be ruined as a result of that which is Honestly, not all that different from from reality, dude. Like it's it's why people end up in that system where they just yeah, end up that back, is in the jail, exact, back in jail. Yep, that is the exact way that our uh, uh, prison system is set up. Our entire justice system is set up to create non people mm-hmm. to introduce into our slavery, which was ratified in the Thirteenth Amendment. I, a lot of people know that to be the amendment that abolished slavery, but it was the amendment that also legalized prison slavery. Yeah, that's true, man. And, and entrenched it in the Constitution. Well, but it has to be that way, because otherwise the prisons would go out of business, because they are a business. A business, yeah. And, uh, what yeah, the fuck? Heavy, heavy investment into uh, politics here in America. Our system call me, is call me crazy, man, but you know when it comes to prisoners, when it comes to the homeless, when it comes to whatever marginalized people you want to talk about, call me crazy, but maybe if you rehabilitated them and actually were kind of on their side, they could re-enter the workforce and be productive citizens of a country. I don't know. Sure. I mean, I, I don't know if productivity should be our focus. We, we should get rid of capitalism entirely, but we definitely should do all those other things because... That is the only way we can save these people, but that's not the focus. The focus is getting slave labor and yeah. uh, letting people rot on the street to make uh, people who have a little bit of money feel better about themselves. But the thing about the the marketing research and stuff that you're talking about is it would be really interesting if that was at play, considering this wasn't written as a Saw movie originally. <laughs> it was not. It was a movie what? that's very much like a Saw movie. Um, and I couldn't get exact dates, but he was shopping the script in 2014, or, or uh, in uh, 2004, when Saw came out. So, you know, either he, he churned something out real quick that was Saw-like, or um, he just had... It was a Dante's Peak Volcano situation. Both people had the same idea, kind of same time. Yeah, and and from what I, I gather, from, from what I read... Um, they really only kept the the characters, the traps, and the deaths. So, like, uh, Lee Wan L and, and James Wan were more responsible for all the saw bit. So, okay. um, 
the characters outside of the people who are in the house are all our Saw characters, and that's driving the main story, really, because, like, I would say all the torture bit is our B story. That's yeah. that's secondary to what's going on between uh, Detective Matthews and uh, John Kramer, a.k.a. Jigsaw, played by Tobin Bell, who's absolutely awesome and, and does a great job. I just don't like the character all that much. Yeah, I'll say that about this movie. Like, Tobin is absolutely the best part of this. And, you know, of course, that's partially because at the end of the first movie, it was revealed that he was the one behind it right. the entire time. So we never even really got to see yeah, it was just real brief in part one, you know? Very, very brief. Yeah, just at the very end of the first Saw. So in this one, we actually get to see this guy on camera talking and stuff like that a lot more. And he is very good. Like, yeah, I think that he's yeah. a, a good presence on screen and stuff. But you're right. It's like, I just don't like the movie is all, but yeah, <laughs> that's not his fault. <laughs> that's not. Yeah, that's the thing is like, I look at everybody at, uh, uh, attached to this and stuff, and it's like, I don't think any of this is their fault. I don't think Darren uh, uh, Bousman did anything wrong in the way he directed this necessarily. I think I, editing decisions I, I hate and the way Ooh, some of the yeah. shots come together oh, for sure. God. Um, uh, I don't think Lee Wannell did anything terrible in the way he took an entirely different script and connected it to Saw and, you know, made it fan servicey, which is something they did in particular. Fans apparently said about the first one that they didn't want to just see the results of the torture. They wanted to see the torture, which is mm-hmm. fucking awesome. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> uh, but so they they kind of added some of that. But this is all. This movie comes out uh, less than a year after the first. So damn, it's all fast. And the actors, there's no one to blame here for this. Like they're not doing a bad job. It's just not great writing that was obviously not gonna be great because you're translating one script into an entirely different franchise and you're doing it really quickly while also working on dead silence for universal at the same time so like dude i can't blame anybody here except the producers yeah like i I thought you were supposed to wait until like part five or six before you start just grabbing like random rejected scripts and being like i don't know I guess this. this guy could be Pinhead. Now it's a Hellraiser movie. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. That's what those later Hellraiser movies feel like because that's what they are exactly. And th- this is kind of like um, this kind of sets the tone for all of the sequels after this. And that's what I was wondering because I've never seen any of them. Yeah. Oh well. Um, so the ninth is coming out the the week that this episode comes out, and a tenth has already been announced. Hopefully this gets you excited to go see it and buy some tickets. Woo! Although I've heard there's hope that this new one is actually going to be kind of a different spin on the character and the story and stuff like that. So maybe it could be the start of something good. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I I watched Jigsaw, which uh, is, uh, you know... uh, Is it a prequel? What is it? It's Yeah, it's a prequel set 10 years before the events i think of the first one or i don't remember i don't even remember it honestly i remember there were people with buckets on their head and something i it was i don't remember it i I honestly don't (laughs) remember most of the sequels and seriously watching this movie was like water through a sieve 
Like, retaining anything was so hard. I watched this four times and begrudgingly. Like, I hate this fucking movie. And I had to watch it four times to even be able to talk about it because I could not retain anything that was going on because it was either so uh, enraging, just enraging. So much of this movie is enraging because people act in ways people do not act and they do things they do not do to set up chess moves by it's like he's it's like he's a. Uh, uh, an adult teaching a child chess and then gloating about it. It's insane. The characters <laughs> are like, they have no idea what's going on at, at all in the world with anything. And mm. so this this movie, absolutely <laughs> enraging to watch and, and so hard to retain anything because they also do that terrible thing that they're obviously doing to induce scares in people who just are easily scared by loud changes of noise. They have people just mumbling all the time, and then oh loud God, events dude. happen. Uh, That's how you make a scene seem more dark and grimy and gritty, is if instead of them having a conversation and speaking at normal volume like humans do, everything, everything they say should be kind of a dark whisper like this. That way we have to lean into each other and the camera angles get close. Musical sting! You know, Ben, I think maybe we should whisper the rest of our entire episode. (laughs) That way people get the idea how stupid this is. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, for real. Like, again, this is people acting like people don't. Yeah. And it's not really for any effect at all, man. No. No effect at all. It's... It's just constant, like, the, okay, the major stake in the B story at the house with all the torture, the major stake is Detective Eric Matthews' son Daniel is there, and Detective Eric Matthews has set up all of these people for crimes because, you know, ACAB, and so... He's a crooked cop. Yeah. Um, and so, they... He's worried they'll find out his dad's a cop. D- not even worried that they'll find out it's his dad who put them in prison because he doesn't know that. The only yeah, thing yeah, he's yeah. worried about is them finding out his dad's a cop and him having to have an awkward conversation. Well, dude, that's because, you know, he has the correct viewpoint that if someone has gone to jail because they got caught doing drugs and they get out, they will even kill the child of a cop. That's real. That happened, Steve. Right, absolutely. Anyone yeah. who has been to jail is tainted with the murder virus. That's right. Uh-huh. And they'll kill a cop kid mm-hmm. at the drop of a hat, probably absolutely. while high on pots, I bet Yeah, you. they'll get way high on the pots. They'll shoot the pots right in their veins. Mm-hmm. They'll do one pot injection, then kill a cop's kid. That's just one how pot it is. for me, please. They'll say, mm-hmm. but not please, because I'm a criminal. I don't exactly. say please. Give me one pot, please. They'll say yes. I and demand take the please off again. I didn't yeah, mean. Oh to yes, uh, I'm sorry, an I accidentally nice criminal that doesn't exist in Saw World. <laughs> I will not ask you for the pot. I will kill you, please. <laughs> they say. Criminals. This all goes back to Andrew Nice Clay. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that is funny though when you get down to it because 
even if that kid just said, my dad's a cop, mm-hmm. it's not like this kid knows that his dad put all these people away. And what if they find out? It's really like, stupid. Like, let's just like, legit, what if they find out? Which one of them is going to kill him because his cop dad set them up? When they're yeah. in a situation where there's sarin gas, which doesn't cause you to cough up blood, None of the side effects of sarin gas or that, but anyway, <laughs> uh, sarin gas is going to kill them in two hours. Which one of them is going to waste their time murdering the child of a cop who set them up? None of them are murderers. It would actually be a better story if it was the cop himself looking in the eyes of all the people that he put away. Like That, that would have been a, a real great story. Moral drama, you know, where maybe sure. he gets to see the humanity of these people that he put away and is like, yeah. oh shit, like the way this they person don't needed help. They didn't immediately need to go to the try to kill him. The yeah. way they maybe help him out of a trap. Exactly. Like, that's a good movie. Yes. Oh my gosh. You can, you Trey imagine Bart, a lovely. ray right of here. light in a Saw movie? <laughs> It'd be crazy. No. Dude. <sighs> yeah, that's easy. Why isn't that the movie? That's way better. Yeah. Uh, I had a pitch. That I came up with that I think could make the Saw movies instantly better, and you may not even have to change much. I hope it's that all the traps become wily coyote devices and they're just large <laughs> anvils yes, and falling yeah, pianos and stuff it. like that. Sticks <laughs> that of dynamite, be, fun stuff. That would be awesome. But it's not a Saw movie, it's a Riddler movie. Yeah, right there. Boom. Make it a Done. Riddler movie. This is the Riddler. I would love to see DC could do this because they're like, you know, Snyder, all this like, you know, uh, no such thing as a ray of sunshine type of thing. Mm -hmm. They could easily make a Riddler movie where it is just bleak and dark and you get to see like how actually fucked up the Riddler is. And then you make a Batman movie with him against the Riddler, and now we care, because we see how fucked up the Riddler is. Like, he no did shit, all this man. crazy shit to these people. Yeah, give me that riddle me this fucking yeah. kind of stuff. Because ultimately, this movie does start with the whole, like, oh, the solution at the end of the rainbow, the numbers are in the back of your head. Like, just some stupid bullshit riddle. Yeah, it's Riddler stuff. Yes, that is exactly it. And also, if the numbers were on their necks, we would see it. Very clearly, every right. single time you see Xavier, because yeah. he doesn't have long hair, and every no. we see the back of his head a lot, because he's confronting one person with everyone else behind him, and there is no number on the back of his neck, because if there had been, everybody would have been like, oh, there's a number on the back of your neck, oh, whoa, that thing on the tape. Yeah, numbers in the back of your head. Oh, it's so fucking easy to figure this out. Yeah, but no. <sighs> But no. Dude, I'm glad you pointed out the thing about about retention on this because I even even though like I hate it for your life that you spent like, you know, <laughs> 8 hours of it watching, yes, Saw, watching 2, Saw 2. Yeah. I hate that for your life. I I get it too because after I finished the movie, you know, and went to bed and woke up the next day, I was like, I really don't remember anything about that movie. And it's not even like I was watching it fucking plastered drunk. I think we actually watched this the night we got our COVID shots, if I'm not mistaken. So it's like uh-huh. I had one beer that night and that's it. So I can't even say, yeah, I was kind of hammered when I watched this. So I don't remember it. Sometimes whenever I do that on the show and like, you know, 
uh, maybe watch a movie really late at night or maybe kind of drunk when I watch it and I don't remember the details. Sometimes I go on YouTube and watch people's reviews that are kind of recaps for this. Right. Um, there's this guy, Decker Shadow, that I watch on YouTube sometimes that is like just such a fucking geek and he's he's like kind of try hard funny and I okay. enjoy his reviews and stuff because he's very over the top and silly and just kind of reminds me of like somebody I would have known in high school that was just kind of the weird geeky kid okay that's uh, fine. and he kind of like walks through the movie and stuff I even tried watching his walkthrough of this twice which is good and it is funny but I just didn't care <laughs> it's like yeah. 20 minutes and I couldn't even make it through his recap of this movie I was just like oh god I'll finish this later then I just don't finish it instead. Because I, I didn't remember much anything about this. I was like, man, I hope Steve took some good notes because I don't <laughs> really remember a lot, honestly. I think the apathy is built in for a reason. I think you maintain the apathy so that people don't care when they get to the torture. Yeah. And I... I have a tinfoil hat theory. I like this. You told me about this, and dude, I don't think this is unrealistic at all, okay. frankly. Tell okay. them about it. Tell the kids the truth. Ish. So, the, uh, the, well, I hope you all know about this. I am I am so surprised. Um, you, you guys know uh, Ellen's friend, that uh, old man who gives, uh, gives candy to Barack Obama's wife and uh, uh, the paints all those pictures? That he does all that nice people are, just think how sweet that old man is uh you may not remember he was president of the united states and uh that uh he's a war criminal and that that's true he, <laughs> he tortured tons and tons and tons of people uh and in 2004 some pics out of abu Ghraib, a place where they were torturing uh just random people basically <laughs> i mean some of them fought uh, again uh, listen Go back to 2004 real quick with me. It, it, it was very clear that uh, Bush going into Iraq was a uh, uh, bullshit, right? Yeah. We all knew it was yeah. bullshit. And then yeah. uh, he started picking up people and uh, torturing them, uh, you know, for information. So these people tortured them and uh, I guess entirely dehumanized them to the point that they took pictures of themselves like thumbs up next to corpses or next to a guy to getting tortured smoking a cigarette like ha ha this is awesome Yikes. and then those pictures came out in april of 2004 now put on your tinfoil hats crinkle 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 i don't have any evidence of this i have some i have some uh some leads uh, ideas i can put together but um in april 2004 i believe uh Department of Defense, Pentagon, the armed forces of some sort, they have all invested tons in movies heavily. Um, oh, yeah. I believe they saw a movie that had a bit of torture to it that made a good bit of money, and they saw an opportunity to turn the tide on torture. Yeah, where it's like, well, people are going to be talking about this stuff. Maybe we can kind of change their mind about it a little bit and make it entertaining and fun and dehumanizing. Yeah. So Lionsgate distributes this movie. Lionsgate has also distributed uh, the movie Hurt Locker, which um, definitely received Department of Defense money. Um, 
as do a lot of these war video games and stuff like this. Like, yep. It's all propaganda, you guys. It like, is that, propaganda. That's not, that's not even tinfoil hat stuff. Including the MCU. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the MCU, though they did, the Pentagon didn't work with them on Avengers because they wouldn't, like, soften the sh- image of S.H.I.E.L.D., but um, they have worked with them on other stuff, including Captain Marvel and whatnot, as an Air Force recruiting tool. I, I, I don't have any evidence for this. I would love for someone to research this. I, I think I don't these think it saw sounds movies, unlikely, honestly. Yeah, I think these saw movies are being subsidized because their budget never exceeds a ten point eight million. I don't think on any of the installments of the franchise. Jeez, man. Yeah, that's wild. I don't think that's unrealistic, man. Like. I really, really, really don't. I don't think that that sounds like anything that's super unlikely. And, you know, honestly, I will say this. Speaking of the budget and stuff, if you go back and listen to our original Saw episode that we put out pretty early on, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty early in the, the series or the podcast. Yeah. Like, you'll remember that we were the most impressed by how much they did with so little. Like, yeah. It really is amazing what that crew of people did filming for such a incredibly short amount of time on such a tiny, tiny, tiny budget. Um, it is amazing. And even with this movie, they made it for next to nothing in terms yeah, of like big, big release movies. And it generated a fuck ton of money. I mean, 147 shit. million. Damn, dude. Yeah. So they, they're working with something here. I mean, they're making something out of nothing, essentially. And, and yeah. people ate it up. So it's impressive, again, but... I just don't really think of it as as entertainment, man. And I know that a lot of people are, are going to talk about like, oh, yeah, but the kills and stuff are so sick. But let's talk about those kills, Steve. How, what do you think about the kills in this movie? Uh, okay, so th- the first kill, uh, which is uh, a reverse, reverse bear trap. <laughs> it's like, oh, you remember that thing from the first one? Yeah. It's like that, but opposite. So whatever. Yeah, reverse, reverse bear trap that... Um, Boy, that's lazy. That's it is lazy. lazy, and they... They also, they didn't space the nails out far enough that I actually was worried. Like, Hmm. it would hurt, but that's too much surface area. Like, the the bear trap works specifically on pinching in a small area. So you're putting all that force in that small area. The more surface that's hitting, like, you might crush his face but it's not necessarily like a bed of nails you're saying it distributes like yeah Yeah, so like when i looked at it i was like well it would have to close real hard for those things to like kill him they might like penetrate the skull or crush the face or whatever but he would it would take a while for that to kill him i think hmm yeah probably so man but then you gotta think man if you were in a room that you know is riddled with traps and you find a key that specifically says do not use this key in this room and a guy puts that key in a lock, you're putting your eye up against that peephole. Well, listen, if somebody, if one of my friends is about to open a door, I put my eye out of the keyhole. Hell yeah, dude. I'm good a good friend. Yeah. yeah. So. Man, that's a dumb kill. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense why you would do that at no. all. Ever. Other than if you wanted to get killed in a movie. Oh, right. If you're like, boy, I'd like to not be in this movie anymore. Dude, that's going to be a tell, though. Like, if I meet somebody new, and everywhere that we go before we leave, he's like, hang on, hang on, let me get in position. And he puts his eye up against that that peephole <laughs> before I open the door. I'm going to be like, man, 
This guy thinks he's in a movie and he's going to get killed. This guy's nuts. You're not my friend anymore. <laughs> oh, oh no, friend. You, you can't give up on friends just Go because on, they get. have hallucinations. Nobody dude. loves you. No, we're not going to Harry and the Hendersons them. We're going to talk <laughs> to them like, hey, what's going on? Because e- even if they do think they're in a movie... I think they're trying to uh, off themselves, and that probably needs to be looked into. Dude, I'm telling you this, though. I don't really know exactly what's going on when you're a person that is in this group of people that's being picked off one by one by ingenious, crazy, heinous traps, and you see a glass box with a antidote in it and <laughs> hand holes, and you're like, Oh my God, I found the one that's not going to kill me. And you just ram both your hands in the handholes. And you're like, oh shit, what's happening now? I didn't expect this. Well, what you want to do is you want to put one in and recognize like, oh, that was a bad idea. I'll put the other one in. This will help. This will do it. (laughs) This will get me there if I just put my other... Because I've ruined the 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 vial of whatever uh reanimator reagent or whatever it is (laughs) yeah like i've ruined that so i should reach in just for funsies why and it's that's like the simplest trap because like look you don't stick your hand through one finger is gonna poke up all four of them that's how it worked the blades yeah yeah it's gonna poke up the blades right so you take you take a few fingers, you hold up three of the blades, and you can easily get your hand in there. Now, be careful. You know this guy's Trixie. He's a hobbit. You gotta make sure like you, you don't just start pulling it off there. You just give it a wiggle. Oh, that's glued down. I'm just gonna break that off there and I'll pull this out, and then I'll let those little flappy things down, and boom. I've got the cure for sarin? I don't know. (laughs) The sarin cure, it's known as. Yeah. But that's the thing, too, is like, dude, the house is riddled with things like fucking baseball bats and other weapons and things like that. Yes! (laughs) What? You can so easily break it. I seriously think that, like, instead of rigging up all these elaborate traps for these, you know, hopeless, futureless former drug addicts and stuff like that. I think that Jigsaw could put him in any ordinary apartment and, like, just use post-it notes and put, like, a post-it note above the garbage disposal and put, like, antidote in here. And people just put their hands in him and, yeah. oh, now my hand's cut off. Or, like, yeah. a post-it above a light socket where it's, like, put finger here for antidote. Ooh, oh, I'm electrocuted. Stick yeah. fork and toaster for antidote. And people would do it. Like, <laughs> You don't need to trick these people at all. They're no, stupid they, as fuck. They're tricked already. Um... I think the thing is, the idea behind it is, I mean, it's old. It's um, it's in 80s slashers and stuff. It's show people doing the wrong thing. You make the audience feel better about themselves. Like, oh, right, I wouldn't yeah, do yeah. that. Oh, this is what I would do. Like, I'm smarter than some druggie. <laughs> exactly, yes. You're reinforcing that sense of superiority that you're playing on. And, like... That does make it easier to dehumanize people who are being tortured, maybe by the government. <laughs> These movies are manipulation, man. I'm telling you, part three is straight up trying to use hypno- like hypnotic suggestion, I think. like No. Part three relies so much on those quick-cut, hideous montages 
Oh, I hate that shit. And the f- and flashbacks that <laughs> it's gaslighting you the entire time. It, it's like constantly making you feel like there's no way you can get ahead of it. And I think like this is the movie that convinces you that you're smarter than all of them. And then this next one is like, well, you, you you may be smarter than them, but you can't get ahead of us. And then it's like constantly using these flashing images and stuff like over and over. And then like rewriting its own story. Like it, it's, it's frustrating to watch. Like it feels uncomfortable, but not in a, like the events of this are uncomfortable way. But like, I, I feel like I'm being manipulated i don't like it i mean again it could just be the huge amount of constant like retconning that the series does that just makes you feel like you're going crazy yeah i've heard that gets ridiculous yeah it, it, it's 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 maddening it, it's 100 like it just makes you feel mad and manipulated because there's no real way to see where it's going there's no real possibility and then like even when you think you've got a hold of it it's like no actually it wasn't that it was this yeah dude that's like the the bad the bad unreliable narrative kind of thing where it's yeah. like oh you believed me fuck you you're stupid yes. uh, <laughs> so which is the worst man i really really hate that like the ambiguous you know um unreliable narrative can be a cool thing when it's told from the the perspective of a character who's maybe going through something or is under the influence of drugs or something like that like that can be really cool we talked about Uh that many times on the show yeah but whenever the movies themselves are constantly like oh you believe that thing that the main character said you're dumb yeah that's just not fun to watch yeah it's not it's not fun to watch and it it just it feels chastising and if it's like yeah. it, it's like so much of the the uh series just feels like somebody fucking with you mm-hmm. instead of somebody telling you a story and i and i see that you know a lot of people may be like this is just paranoid thinking and maybe it is but uh I, it really does just feel like it's selling torture and trying to manipulate you into believing that it's necessary and good and right. And, and like, it shows um, that pushing Detective Matthews to the point of using torture as an interrogation tactic is part of his plan. And... I thought about that and I was like, is this like one of those things where they're like, actually the terrorists are pushing us to do this. Like, Oh, okay. Yeah. By yeah, manipulating yeah. us, they're making us have to do this, but then it ends up bad for him. So then I was like, well, wait, is this like subverting that in some way? Like, am I reading this all wrong? Is this movie trying to tell us actually torture is really, 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 really bad. And, um, you know, enjoying it is obviously human. Of course we all enjoy it, but it's bad. So, right, guys? Like, I think <laughs> yeah. it's just like a weak attempt to be like, but actually torture's bad. 
<laughs> but then you get to part three and it's like, well, no, but really, it's pretty cool. You've got me interested enough to watch part three just to see what a pile it is. I think, I think part three is like the most, like, it's probably the best example of all of the sequels after, after it. Because like, they all do the same things after that. Because it's constantly having to rewrite itself and constantly having to change the facts that we were given and well yeah because these whole stories are just nothing but fucking plot holes all the way yes yes that's it it's just constantly they're they they made these almost once a year it felt like for a while there right like it was like yeah it's like oh it's halloween there's gonna be a new one so it feels like yeah each time they just took audience feedback and then like you know, did some audience fan service and then tried to explain away their plot holes and then boom, you get a script. And then you make money. And then, yes, and then you, the money printer goes off because they make hundreds of millions of dollars uh, off of all these sequels. Like, it, I don't even, I didn't even look at the total amount that they have made, but, uh, I mean, 140 million for this, uh, six made like 170 million almost. So Jeez, like, dude. I, I, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I just feel like, I feel gross when I watch these movies. I don't like them. <laughs> I don't really either, man. I don't even like connect to them on some level like I can with a Rob Zombie movie. Like right. at the very <laughs> least, I lived through some of that like redneck, like fucked up culture. And I can, I can kind of understand some of that. This, I can't connect. I can't. And cause like, it's not. It's not aimed at me, I guess. I guess so. Which is so weird to be talking about that from that perspective on a horror podcast, which, you know, we're, we're both obviously delight in a lot of these movies that are just heinously brutal and stuff. And we praise movies that have really great gore. It seems weird to take that stance with this movie, but here I am right there with you. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't like torture porn. And I don't no. think it has value, and I have never heard a good argument for its value. I mean, you should be able to see whatever you want. You can watch these movies all you want. That's fine. I, I'm not going to stop you. But when it comes to, to me viewing these movies, I am not interested. I don't want oh, yeah. this shit. And I mean, I guess that, you know... To us who have watched a lot of horror movies, a lot of these kills and stuff don't really have any effect on us, for one, because there's no emotional attachment to the character, and two, because we've been desensitized a bit due to the the stuff that we've seen in other movies. It's way worse. But I will say that even though I had no emotional attachment to the uh, fucking, what's her name, Amanda with her Nikki Six hair, uh, <laughs> hair falling into, wild. oh my God, the worst, dude. Um, falling into that pit of needles, it still did have a, a visceral effect on me because that's just like, man, honestly, like the sound design and the visual design and stuff in that yeah. was very, very effective. It was very good. Because, it was very good. Like, you could really feel and hear the weight of a human body landing into that pit of yeah. hypodermic needles and stuff and just how much there is to be afraid of there. It's like, honestly, like a bunch of needle pricks would would hurt i mean it wouldn't feel great it wouldn't be life ending but then well, you think, they look like, like dirty needles too i was though. gonna say yeah, yeah you're going like well where have those fucking things been and what am i going to be dealing with years from now as a result of this so 
it's very like that'll make your toes curl up for sure. I think yeah, that's that, very effective. That is easily the most memorable part of this movie. Like I might not remember anything else about this movie other than that scene. Yeah, it, it is the most memorable, and uh, another part that makes zero sense. Dude, because she planned the whole thing out, apparently, and she ended up in one of her own traps, I guess? Yeah, and also, what? like, that's the least effective way to do that, and I, like, you can figure that out in a second. You just moved a bed with a big, thick blanket on it. You're wearing boots. Just jump in there with your big, thick blanket and start scooping them up with the big, thick blanket and dumping them out. You don't have to dig Shit. through them like, like <laughs> that what would is make that? sense. Like why even like you, you take a second's thought and like that's the least effective method. She could just be like, no, fuck you. I'm not doing it. I mean, honestly, it could just be everybody take off your shoes, use them as gloves. Help me scoop all these things out of here. Sure. Absolutely. There's so many options in every single one of the scenes, but the people always make the decision that makes the least sense. It's because they're high. <laughs> right. It's because, yes, it's because we're supposed to not care about them. We're supposed to feel superior to them. And it, it's just, again, it's just a gross feeling to walk away from. I, I don't, it, but it, it, it deals in voyeurism. It deals in that, like, I mean, you know, there, there are tons of instances, of course, of uh, videos online where a lot of people uh, get taken out, a lot of people die or whatever, and they'll have so many views because there's this morbid curiosity, this yeah. desire to see, to witness, and I mean, I can't deny that it's a part of uh, of some human nature, but it's just not a part of mine. I have yeah, never totally. been interested. I I feel too much, man. I don't want <laughs> I don't want to see that. Now, what do you think about the cast in this? Is there anybody that really stands out to you other than other than Tobin? Because yeah, again, I I can't really remember much <laughs> about anybody that's in that in that warehouse and stuff. Like Donnie Wahlberg is. You know, when you buy Mark Wahlberg off of Wish, he's an angry <laughs> cop. It's whatever. Sure. Um, Nikki Six Hair. Yeah, um, Shawnee Smith. I like. I like her. I think she's good. She's fine. Um. Yeah, I think she she does a good job. But um, like it's just so illogical the way things work out for her character. Like, it if she's a part of all of it, if she's part of the plan, like. It really places her in harm's way. And that doesn't make any sense why that would happen. Right. Because then at the end of the day, even when she's like, and it all worked out, my insidious plan to put you guys in all these traps, blah, blah, blah. Also, I've got to go get tested for every disease ever now because I fell into that pit of dirty needles. Right. Like, what's the rest of her fucking life like? I also doesn't she say like like this was this is her first time doing it or whatever like he has her set it up as like you know her big test mm -hmm. and part three entirely countermands that and <laughs> shows her setting up the uh, first movie thing no too. way yes what <laughs> yes no yeah that's so fucking stupid it really is. 
It really, really is. I think it's they did. Like they're just making it up as they go. Yeah, I think they did plan for her to come back because you know there was the person in the pig mask there in the first one, and it's like who who was that? You know, because we we had already found out that the guy on the floor wasn't actually dead and whatnot. But right. mm-hmm. so there were there was some likelihood that that was the plan. Uh, but it's also like, well, that line then kind of. They don't don't say like this is her first time doing it, and then like the next movie reveal actually wasn't her first time. <laughs> you believed her. You're an idiot, <laughs> right? <laughs> but at least we get that you know very unique. I've never seen a movie from the mid two thousands that looks like this grimy teal color the entire movie. That's yeah. nice. Yeah, I mean, very I, unique. I think that started with like the Matrix and stuff, though, didn't it? Like they right, like did Matrix it. and Fight Club and yeah. stuff. Yeah, had a lot of that. I think was very influential in standardizing that look for anything that's supposed to look gritty, make and it look just teal gross. and nasty. Yeah, I don't like it. Yeah, it it works in some movies, but it just became this super oversaturated thing that they did in every single horror movie. Oh, yeah. Well, and it's like no different than how there for a little bit of a period, I think in the maybe like mid 2010s or something like that, where everything was blue and orange, like fucking (laughs) everything was blue and orange. Yeah, that movie Mama is exactly that. It's blue and orange. And then there are some scenes that are that gross teal color. (laughs) Oh, my God, man. (laughs) I hated that so much watching that movie. And, of course, we've also got all those, you know, fucking, is this a movie or a music video? All those stupid jump edits that they do all over the place. Now, here's the thing. Like, whenever you do those kind of edits, it can be effective. And it can evoke the the feeling that you get when you recall your own memories. Like, sure. if you walked in on a traumatic scene uh, and your memory of it would just be a bunch of flashes, like... First I saw the blood, then I saw the knife on the table, then I saw the severed arm, like just flash, flash, flash. But like parts in this movie where uh, Wahlberg is like interrogating fucking Jigsaw and he's like, get on the ground. He's like, I can't do that. I have cancer. And it's like, oh my God, fucking medical bag hanging up. Oh my God, (laughs) oxygen tank. Oh my God, plastic cup of water on the desk. There's also rosaries on the IV bag. Just to let you know, like, this is a prayer type of situation. Like, you might not make it. What? (laughs) Like, is that necessary? Does that make that better? Like, rather than just showing, like, oh no, this guy's hooked up to oxygen and stuff. He's doing bad. Like, you need to do all these stupid-ass jump cuts and stuff. That makes it better? I, I, I don't think it does make it better. But I think that's kind of the director's style because it he it carries over because he directed uh, three and four and they they really carry that further and like use it a lot more. And I think that's kind of his thing. Word. Well, here's the thing that's also really confusing about this. And maybe the sequels answer this. The entire arc is that Jigsaw is this dude who has this terminal cancer and his insurance and shit won't pay for it. And it turns him into evil serial killer. Yeah. What, whatever, for some reason. If he can afford to make all these diabolical traps for like a hundred movies. Right. Couldn't he afford chemo? And also like he's paying for food and shit. And like they get the medical equipment he needs sort of like, cause he's, he's hooked up to the IV bags and shit. Like What? Dude, and I'll tell you this, man, especially for a guy dying of a terminal illness, he did a lot of research on how to 
create deadly booby traps really fast. I've th- I thought about it. I mean, this is to me like uh, this is on the Jeepers Creepers creeper standing in line to get the specialized license <laughs> yeah. plate yeah, yeah, yeah. once a year type of thing where it's like, I thought about like how long it would take, especially once you get to like three and beyond, they get even more elaborate and stuff. And it's like, that would take so much work and testing and like, uh, like, you know, reconfiguring and stuff. And they always work perfectly in the movie. So that means like, he's got it to where he knows it works perfectly. So it also takes a lot of time and he's a cancer patient. Yeah. What is happening to do that, man? (laughs) I don't know. I would just use all that money and time and intelligence and resources and stuff to maybe get myself some treatment. I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I think that he does say something. I these movies, I cannot remember them. I have seen all of them, but I cannot remember them. But I think like eventually he gets the insurance guy who rejected his claim and I, I think he says something about it not being about the money. <laughs> oh, okay. I don't, I don't remember. I'm not positive. That's just so fucking cheap, man. Yeah, and even like this movie, you know, doing the, the unreliable narrative thing where it's like, oh, all those flashbacks that you saw. Well, they weren't flashbacks when you're watching them. Of all the people in the warehouse. Oh, those were all just tapes. That happened days ago or whatever. Like, even that is just yeah. so cheap, man. It, it's real. Yeah. It, it's one of those things that I feel like in both instances, Jigsaw did set up ways that they could have easily figured out what was going on, but somehow in his plan he has the perfect view of this world he lives in where he understands exactly how they're going to react and establishes alternate plans for any possible reaction because some of the stuff he does is like you would have to know intimately exactly how that person thinks to know that they would react to all of this that way. Right. Seriously, how would he know that about all of these people? Like, that guy, oh, uh, uh, Xavier had to, like, knock that door down, basically, to get into the room full of needles. Ah, uh, I know this guy. He's a real door knocker downer kind of guy. I'll put this trap behind this door that needs to be knocked <laughs> yeah, down. I was like, what? 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 Is, I'm telling uh, you, man. Jigsaw sounds like the kind of guy that's so fucking high-level intelligent, he should be finding a cure for cancer. I'm just saying. <laughs> he should He should have put his efforts into finding a cure for cancer instead of whatever it is he's trying to accomplish. I, I think so. I think we got to talk about the, uh, the boiler kill. Because oh, that yeah, is yeah. brutal and uh, scary, but also one of those things where there's not like a latch on the door. I didn't think so, no. he When he pulled down the chain, you see the chain tighten and pull the door closed. First of all, like, they know that all these things are traps by this point. Yeah. So why didn't someone just stand there at the door, like, just make sure this doesn't close? Oh, hey, you're pulling on the chain. The door's moving. Just, like, hold on to the chain so you can pull the syringe off. 
cool. Got it. All right, crawl on out. We're good. Yeah. Maybe we fucking, you know, put a broom handle inside of the door in case it slams shut on you. Yeah. Because why else would you be getting into this fucking boiler unless it is intended to burn you to death? Of course. Exactly. And, and like, the, he even established the contingency to get out of the boiler, which was the, the, there was a knob to turn to turn the gas off. Yeah, yeah. When you're in hell, the devil can help you or whatever it is he says. Yeah, and it's like, that doesn't even come into play. He doesn't even try to go for it. It just, the camera, like, pans over to it for a second. But the guy never, it's, it's so frustrating. It's almost like he set up elaborate traps like he didn't even need to, though. Like, it could have just been a mousetrap with cheese on it. And they (laughs) would have been like, I'm pretty hungry. (laughs) Seems safe, I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I'm pretty sure that there's like lab rats that could have figured out these death traps before Oh, absolutely. I guarantee that that trap with like the, you know, the the aquarium upside down and the hand thing, I'm sure that some scientist has done some variation of that with a rat and the rat figured it out. Right. <laughs> Man, these these movies are just not for us. Like this no. one this one, I can't even give it the credit that I gave the first one, where I was like, man, they, they really just, you know, had an idea and a dream, and they turned it into a ton of fucking money. I've never done that. That's impressive. Like, No, I have not. This is just not good. It's very like, bad. I didn't care about anybody in it. Nope. The good guys were shitty. The bad guys were shitty. The people that were just people were just shitty, unlikable Everybody. people, you know? And, uh, you know, again, it has that unnecessarily grimy look, ridiculous editing and stuff. I think also, too, I might have mentioned this on the the first Saw episode that we did. I think that main theme to Saw musically, the da-da-da, da-da-da, da-da-da-da, I think is so fucking corny and generic. I think that, I think it's terrible. Listen, you need to see Saw 3. Is it just all over it? Every single flashback is accompanied with it, I think. Uh, and it is so many flashbacks. No, not for me, man. Not for me. Tobin does a good job. Again, the needle pit kill was was memorable. It's mm-hmm. not even a kill, though, honestly. It's just like, lifetime of disease. <laughs> <laughs> Again, like, what's that supposed to teach you? That's not even a trap where it's like, oh, if you escape, you'll value your life. If you fall in this pit of dirty needles, you'll value your life and be riddled with disease. Like, <laughs> are you helping anybody? What? <laughs> so stupid. These are just stupid movies, man. I don't, I don't like them, man. You got anything more either. to say before we rate this thing? Get out. No, let's rate it. All right. You got a, you got a number you're gonna slap on this thing? Uh, like a one. Wow, that might be the lowest. Other than Jeepers well, Creepers, Jeepers Creepers, which yeah. received a non-score because it's made by a known. I don't know, like a one or a one and a half. Like, I just don't get any enjoyment out of this movie. I don't, I don't find it interesting. I don't find any of the premise, like, remotely attracting. Uh, None of the characters have my, uh, any of my sympathy, except that they're put into a world where they're all bad. <laughs> I'm sorry that happened in a world where everyone's bad. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, I, I I don't I don't understand how these movies made so much money and how there are so many of them and how one is coming out this week. This is 2000 this we're 16 years after this movie came out. Well, wow. 15 and a half. 
Uh, Dang, that long. That's crazy. Yeah. And they're still making sequels, and they have another one planned. So, well, I I don't get it. It's mystifying to me, and I like the only reason I think we should do any other Saw movie is to do Saw three, just so you get the gist of how the rest of the franchise is. But I don't want to do that anytime soon. <laughs> so it'll be a while. It'll be until a long, you hear one of those. While, man. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm going to just echo everything that you just said, and I'll I'll give it a two just to be cute because it's Saw 2, so I'm going <laughs> to say two. That makes sense. Um, the, only, the only point that I'll give it is because, yeah, again, Tobin is good, and the needle pit was memorable. Other mm-hmm. than that, like, this is just sliding off of my brain like it was covered in, in Teflon. It's just like, I don't know. Don't even remember this movie. Yeah. I'll watch it again and be like, I forgot that was in this movie because <laughs> I just don't care, man, so... If you enjoy this flick, I I'm happy for you that you have something to enjoy. I just don't get why. Like, yeah, maybe somebody can explain it to us over on the Dead and Lovely Facebook page or any of our social it's media feeds. It's gonna be one of those things where somehow we are like way wrong. Like somebody is gonna have a real good insight, and it's just gonna be like, oh, oh, oh okay. <laughs> huh. I I really hope that's true because if that's true. There's eight of them already out to go in and enjoy. I was going to say, there's a lot to love if we do turn out liking them. So, yeah, maybe you can turn us on to those. Uh, so be sure to hit us up over on our Facebook group, Instagram, all that stuff. Yeah, uh, facebook.com forward slash dead and lovely. Uh, we're on Instagram and Twitter at dead lovely pod. Uh, we're all over the place. And also, uh, we got the, the Discord where we do the Friday night screaming chat, Yep, which is just a... a great time we recently had just a full-on like therapy love sesh and uh it was an awesome fun time and we hardly even paid attention to the movies except to watch jeffrey combs in the interview with joe bob briggs because that guy is awesome i bet that guy was a delight was he yeah he's fun awesome yeah, be sure to go on there and check those things out. You guys can also support us on Patreon. And if you support us at the $5 month level, maybe you can slip in Saw 3 and get us to do it. I don't know. <laughs> well, Saw 2 was in the bowl. So I assume oh. that the person who put Saw 2 in the bowl might put Saw 3 in. And that it could. might get drawn. And maybe we end up doing it sooner than we think. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, they can find that Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash dead and love you. Head on over there. Become a you know a subscriber on any level. You get access to the uh, 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 TV test pilots exclusive episodes that uh, we just did one on Raised by Wolves, which is a Ridley Scott mm-hmm. show on HBO. And uh, long story short, uh, we kind of liked it. Yeah, yeah. And we talk about um, fun robot fillings on the episodes. So yeah, we do. <laughs> it's a good time. So be sure to check that one out. Rate and review the show anywhere that you can rate and review a podcast. Uh, Apple Podcast is kind of the the powerhouse there. Yeah. So be Spotify, sure to go and do that. It just takes a ratings. second. I don't. Do they? Do I they don't rate? know. I don't think so. If they if they, they do, do uh, head on over there and be like, hey, Spotify, way to not give anybody any money. Yeah. Except for Joe do Rogan, apparently. Us. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> and uh, be sure to stay tuned to the show next week where we are going to be talking about one that people have been requesting for a very, very long time, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm excited to do this one because I sure loved this as a kid and I have not watched it in a long time. It is, of course, Little Shop of Horrors. The 1985, I think, one. 
Yeah, the one you're probably thinking of when you say Little Shop of Horrors. It's going to be a good old time, so be sure to tune in next week for that one. Uh, In the meantime, I hope everybody out there is staying healthy, wealthy, and wise. And we'll catch you guys later on. I'm Uncle Ben. I'm Hollywood Steve. We've been dead and lovely. All right, Steve, I got a couple questions for you. Okay. Why was the skeleton afraid to cross the road? Huh. Um, I, I don't know. Why, why was the skeleton afraid to cross the road? It had no guts. Ooh. Oh, wow. Do you a get it? searing indictment of the skeleton's <laughs> cowardice. <laughs> but the thing is, is there are logical holes here. <laughs> okay. Because... You're saying, okay, it is a skeleton. It mm-hmm. has no, you know, working organs or anything like that, no guts. But it's also assuming that a skeleton could cross the road if it had things like intestines and a liver and so right, on. Right, that would help somehow. It doesn't yeah, have, like, it's like, cartilage or joints or muscles. No. But <laughs> It seems like it would still just fall apart into a pile of bones and guts. It couldn't cross the road at all, even if it had guts. Joke is bullshit. Unless it's got those guts from Reanimator that could, like, reach out and shit. Ooh, or Nickelodeon guts with the aggro crag. Oh, mm. oh, dude, it's probably the aggro crag. That's gotta be <laughs> What the joke doesn't tell you is Mike O'Malley's skeleton. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm ready when you are. Okay. I'm holding turkey in my lap right now. Got a turkey in your lap. Got turkey in my lap. <laughs> I've done that one. You go to the you go to the theater and give them the old turkey in the lap. Yeah, the old turkey in the lap. <laughs> it's a sequel to Turkey in a Straw. I'm pretty sure. <laughs>